This episode is supported by Enscape, empowering your design workflow by turning your BIM model into an immersive 3D experience. Happy birthday. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I got myself for birthday on the day of? No, I do not. You can guess. What? A day full of meetings. Uh, Oh, I was going to say something cool like field notes, notebooks, or a new fountain pen, or, you know, something like at our age, the kinds of gift reduction, reductivism that happens. It's like, I got myself a piece (laughs) of paper. Well, no. So, well, when when I did schedule these meetings, I knew that it was my birthday. And I was like, look, because of like the time difference and it being the end of the week for our client on Thursday, I went ahead and scheduled everything for that day, knowing that I was going to take Friday off. And I did. Finally, people were like, <laughs> although people were like pinging me, it's just like, Hey, can you join this meeting? I'm like, no, I'm taking, I was like, what do you think the, in the schedule, it says Cormac PTO. And they're like, Oh, yeah. you don't take PTO. <laughs> it's like, Oh, that's just <laughs> See, you've trained people. You've exactly. trained them. It's not it's not their fault. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, we had another birthday around here, too. The birthday it, of the oh, show yes, as well. That's, wait. Didn't we start? It, it was your exactly. birthday. We started 10 years ago. On yes. February 3rd. I mean, we're starting our 10th year. Yeah. So... I don't, the math is. It is because it, it, we are starting our 10th year. So. But that's how it works. When you start with the number one, you don't start with zero. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, we're starting our 10th year of Arca Speak. Holy crap. Insane. The world has changed in 10 years. Well, think about this. I mean, one of the interesting things was, is that there was just maybe a smattering of what, like two, three, four architecturally related podcasts in existence pretty much anywhere. And now there's Probably. architectural networks. There are people that aren't even part of architectural networks that have architectural podcasts that talk about, you know, life in architecture that talk about like all sorts of different things. And so in this 10 years that we've been doing this, it, the, the voices have grown louder and louder, which is fantastic because like, I remember early on we were kind of getting bashed because we were three guys that were talking about architecture. We weren't doing an interview show. We didn't have guests. We were just talking about it from our perspective. And a lot of times when we had criticism, it was about not talking about architecture and other people's perspectives. And I know that the conversations that we had always had at that time was like, but we're only able to give our perspective. But what we would like to do is let you, invite you to pick up a a microphone and a platform and start your own. And slowly but surely that happened. And now we've got so many different uh, podcasts with so many different perspectives, really talking about the joys, the struggles, the everything about architecture from their perspective, from these different platforms of perspective. And that I just absolutely love the fact that we've I don't know if we want to consider ourselves pioneers or trailblazers. We just were first, you know, we were one of the first, one of, one of, not the first, but we were one of the first. There was, you know, like I said, you know, a small smattering. And, and the good thing is, is that a lot of those are still around 
but it has just grown and grown and grown and grown. And that's just, it, it makes me feel great that there are so many different, there's so many voices within architecture, but early on it was only being heard by, let's just call it the, what, what the perceived institution of architecture. And now all of these voices are of every face in architecture. And I, I love the fact that that has, has happened in the 10 years that we've been doing this. It's, it's interesting to think about it as I, I think like we're just early adopters kind of in that sense. And the majority is not right. And that's fine. That's a, that's actually how it works. And when you look at where podcasting has come in the last 10 years, just as a medium, I mean, not only were we a minority in a category, but we we're also like, there's just weren't many podcast listeners at that time either. And so the audiences were much smaller and, and, but, but also probably a lot more, there was a lot more vigor there for the ones who were listening to podcasts, like because the audience was smaller, they, they probably felt like there was, and I guess maybe we did too. There's more of a opportunity to voice your thoughts and feelings. Uh, Whereas now it's like, wow, I can't believe how many options there are. And and it is a testament to maybe just the dedication of architects in general, to the ones that have been around for this long and people are still doing it because I think the majority of shows, something upwards of 70 or 80%, never make it past 10 episodes. There are a ton of, of podcasts out there, no doubt, but most of them are 10 episodes yeah. or less. Did you ever, and I sort of like, people are like, Oh, you do a podcast. And it was, it was almost like I was embarrassed to admit that I did a podcast early, early on because people looked at you like podcast. What the hell is that? Well, what that's funny because nowadays it's, I think it's the same, but for different <laughs> reasons. It's like, yeah, <laughs> now, you know, back then it was just like, especially exactly, pandemic times. Like back then it was, you know, oh, I do a podcast. Like, what's a podcast? Or, or like, you know, what a, you know, exactly. What a loser, what a pod, what a nerd. You're just, you do a podcast and it's just like. Yeah. Now it's just like, oh, well, you're just on the train of, yeah. It's in, and then you say, oh, I do a podcast. And they're just like, oh, you're one of a, you know, a million people who do a podcast. It's like, hey, my cat does a podcast. Like, oh. Right, man. right. Like, you should see his Instagram. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mr. Mr. Whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> uh so oh man <laughs> didn't see that coming 10 years so ago. we are the mr whiskers of architecture <laughs> <laughs> yes we have the show title and evan what do you think about well, frank gary <laughs> right <laughs> go on <laughs> no i'm just i'm just i'm just hungry damn it Exactly. <laughs> on my on my iPhone photo widget today, I have a shot of architecture, which doesn't happen. You know, I usually it's a picture with the kids or something like that. But today it is Wayfarer's Chapel by Lloyd Wright, otherwise known as Frank Lloyd Wright Jr. And uh, in Palos Verdes, which is, have you ever been there? I know you, you've been out to the West Coast a couple times. Yeah. You said Wayfair? Wayfair's Chapel. Yeah. It's uh it's in Palos Verdes. I went there according to my phone 
uh, February 5th, 2010. So 12 years ago. So what's funny is a friend of mine had posted something yesterday. Very similar thing. He, it, it popped up in his, his memory of, you know, his time when he was at Cranbrook and literally the exact same day that he had posted that. And he was like posting, it was like February 4th or February 3rd. I can't remember which day now because days run together where he was just like, oh, I remember this day in early February and it pops up with a memory of mine, probably like maybe seven years later from like when his particular memory was, but of me being in virtually the same spot, you know, a few years later at, at uh-huh. Cranbrook with my daughter and me walking around um, the Cranbrook campus, just enjoying ourselves and having fun. And it was funny. It was like, she was like, just, it was when I just started wearing readers. And so I had them, as as always hanging from my uh, collar and she's like let me uh walk around with these and so like i you know gave them to her and she was just like walking around it's like when people don't need glasses but they put them on and it's all like you know everything's all wonky she she wanted to walk around cranbrook all wonky and uh but it was i now finally got to to wayfarer's chapel which no i unfortunately had not gone there which next trip out i'm gonna have to because it looks amazing it's barely a building yeah right it, it looks so delicate when you look at it it is so delicate I and mean, it's amazing I, I did a little bit of down the rabbit hole this morning looking at it and the i was just looking at the floor plans and the elevations and things like that because i wanted to see how delicate it you know you look at it in perspective is one thing but you look at it as like the pure geometry of it in plan and and section and it's pretty incredible what because it looks like what's funny is the sub the floor plan is substantial why because of these two planners that run the two sides of the building the structure itself above four feet is super light and i just thought it was pretty incredible because i was reading a little bit of the story about it and you know they they obviously sought him out to def- to design this space and and this i think goes back to some of the things we've talked about on the show which is like luck had it that he had just been in a grove of redwoods in northern california and was super inspired by that interesting <laughs> and so then he comes back and designs this and it is actually all about those planters why because the planters hold the trees that form the canopy which is really what this space is about I can totally see that. I, I totally feel that. Like now that you say that, and I'm looking at these photographs of like the the structure that holds up these very, you know, it it's, it's got a lot of like very almost Wrightian geometry, but it yeah. it feels very. It feels like you're looking through a canopy of trees. You yeah. Know? yeah, and it feels like at the base of these trees, you know, where you've got like the ground cover and all these, you know, lower plants and stuff. I mean, it totally does. I mean, it it feels like that. It's 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 pretty yeah. wild when you say it because you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. Right. If you look back at like some old photos of it when the trees were small, which is funny, right? Because like we've totally experienced this on our projects. It's it's just like with the really immature trees and plants and it's just so sparse and barren it actually reminds me of just 
my my wife and son have Disneyland passes, so they they go like once a month or something. And they were looking at on Main Street in one of in, I think it's in the Penny Arcade building. There's a model of the original Disneyland, like a full physical model of it under glass. And they were she took some pictures of it, and and then that leads to you know they go exploring the park now looking for where things have changed. And they actually have figured out quite a few things about like the size of Sleeping Beauty's castle and like where the carousel is versus where it was and the teacups have moved and all of these things and how things have gotten a little bit bigger and how they've kind of, you know, manicured things. But but the striking thing is the lack of vegetation versus now. And that's the same thing with, with Wayfarer's Chapel. It's like these trees are 10 to 20 feet tall and... Now they're just they they envelop the building. You know they're they're enormous, and and I can't imagine. You know this is a total architect thing, which is envisioning the future state of a space, especially when it comes to this right, where the landscape is the purpose of the future. Like that's what the goal is: is to get it to that point where it actually feels like that feeling he had when he was in the redwoods. But here in, in on a bluff in Palos Verdes that overlooks the ocean, right? So a very interesting kind of, you know, this is a long-term project. It's funny because it's like the project, even though it's not under construction for the next 30 years, it kind of is because you're waiting for those trees to get to the place where that realizing the vision. Where when you sat down and you probably sketched it out, you sketched it out with all of the trees as part of this, this kind of a curated vista. Totally. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I look at this and and though it, it has to me the first thing I think of when I look at this is the Yancey Tire Chapel for the rural studio. Mm, yeah. And yeah. you know, it's you've got this this you know, I mean, it's a chapel and, and chapels somewhat follow a, a similar rule of like a, a center aisle with the pews on either side and then the mm-hmm. the altar or something in the background. And what's similar to this to in looking at the photographs of the Wayfarers Chapel is that the back behind you, rather than being a solid wall that has, you know, kind of like some kind of like, you know, sculpture or, or something else, you know, like a cross or whatever behind you, this is all open. And, and so, and so that, and, and so that's what kind of like, you know, is the first thing is like, you know, it's very open. It's very like, like ethereal. It, it feels so light, but it feels very much a part of the landscape. Well, and it feels like the floor is sunken down into the earth, even though it's not because those planters are built up on the sides right. that it feels carved that out. Then, yeah. And that's similar to the chapel you're speaking about by rural studio, right? It's like this low, heavy mass and then very light structure above, very transparent. And I think obviously this is meant to mimic kind of like being in a clearing in the forest. These planters bridge the gap from outside to inside and they let the vegetation come in. So you feel like you are still in nature and you don't feel like you're in a space that's separate from nature. And I can just imagine, like I have been here once, but I didn't sit through a service or anything there. Um, so there's a lot of weddings that happen here, obviously. It's a very picturesque setting. And you can't tour the building, which is only one space, 
when there's any kind of ceremony happening. So as luck had it, like we just got there and there wasn't something going on. So we got to go inside and I'm trying to remember this, but I, I kind of am faking my way through this, but the, the dappling of light coming through the trees and, and the way that there are transparent panels on the ceiling just makes it really feel like you're in the forest and, and you don't feel like you're really separate from it in this, in this envelope, but it is the thinnest version of a building. It's more like a tent than a building. Yeah. Oh, I was the, the very first thing that I thought of is, is that it feels like a tent. It feels not even like a, like a full four wall tent. It, it more just feels like a canopy. Yeah. It's like those tents with the, with the screen. So you can see out. And- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it, it, it's just to keep the bugs out, man. So there's another, another photograph online. I don't know if we can, we're allowed to post them or whatever, but that is exactly what you just said is you're, you're approaching up to the chapel where the front doors are. This particular view has the front doors open. So it, you feel that full transparency all the way through, but you have the trees that have now matured. And so the structure in the trees and everything else are so intertwined that you can't imagine it separate. You also can't imagine that like the structure itself isn't part of the tree canopy. It, it is like, it's so intertwined between the two that it, it really does feel like it's just one. It It is truly in a way, <laughs> in a way it is of the land, not on the land. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does feel very integrated, which is a total Rydian thing to do, obviously. I, it really reminds me of Faye Jones Chapel too. The thing you were just saying, is the sense I get, and I've never been to that, but I would imagine it's a very similar feeling, but a very different geometry. Yeah, that that one. In in fact, yeah, Thorn Crown Chapel. I was <laughs> that that momentary brain, you know, freeze. So. I didn't even have a clue. So uh, good, good job. Yeah. Thor- <laughs> Thorn Crown Chapel is in is very much that, like like wayfarers. I know that I know for a fact because I know the people who, you know, the student team who designed the Yancey Tire Chapel that Thorn Crown Chapel was a was like their inspiration for the Yancey Tire Chapel, but it was obviously their interpretation, their kind of like take on it. And to, and to be quite honest with you, the the entry hall to the E.O. Wilson Biophilia Center that I designed is very much a an homage to not only kind of like the the aesthetic of the rural studio in kind of a very Florida-esque type translation of it, but it also, that entry hall is kind of my homage to Thorn Crown Chapel, which seems like it is a very much an homage to like Wayfarers and Yancey and all of these other ones that are just pulling inspiration from these like just delicately beautiful interventions in the landscape we always like talk about this, you know, oh, you're destroying the land when you do things like that. But when you look at those successful projects that really can kind of like bridge that gap and be. When you were saying that, I'm just imagining like a giant windowless CMU box, <laughs> like a big box store, I guess. <laughs> and, and Smashing the gr- smashing, like it just landed yeah. there, man. <laughs> but I mean, you know, when you're trying to integrate something within to nature, like true nature that like. Totally. You're on like a a walking path and you're, you're still out in the middle of the woods, but you're like, Hey, I'd like to build something out there. 
there's one thing you're like, oh God, I really wish that they wouldn't have done that. Cause look at what they've done. I mean, this, this whole pristine area is just ruined because of that. And then you get those few projects that you're just like, wow, your jaw drops and you just, you, you can't say anything because they're just amazing. And, and actually funny enough, I mean, I, I put, cause I'd never, honestly, until you had said it, I don't think I actually even knew Wayfarer's Chapel existed. Mm, you know, mm. and now I, yeah. now I do. And now I want to see it. <laughs> Let's take a moment and talk about the sponsor of this episode. Enscape is a leading real-time rendering and virtual reality tool for the global AEC market. It plugs directly into your modeling software, giving you an integrated design and visualization process. With Enscape, you can render in real-time and walk stakeholders through your rendered model with incredible ease. Your buildings can be experienced long before they are built. More than 200,000 unique monthly users from over 150 countries use Enscape to envision better designs. To learn more or to sign up for a free 14-day trial, visit Enscape3D.com slash Arcaspeak today. That's Enscape3D.com slash Arcaspeak. It's interesting to compare Wayfarer's Chapel to Thorncrown Chapel because this is totally synthetic. Like this, this is a setting, obviously the, the oceanside setting and the bluff and things were there, but to create a building that is surrounded by trees, all of that was created. And I, I would assume, and maybe this is incorrect, so correct me if I'm wrong, but Thorncrown Chapel is the opposite. It's basically creating this type of a space in an existing setting. And I would, what's interesting to me is like the geometry of these two projects that we're comparing are kind of of the trees in a way. The way that this building, these archways kind of touch each other at the angles that they do is very much like the trees and the canopies that are above them. And I think from memory, and I'm not Googling this at the time, but Thorncrown Chapel is got a much sharper acute geometry that I think is a lot more like, and, and obviously it's in a very dense forest setting, um, but they seem like they're very much of the species of tree that's there as structure goes, which I think is kind of interesting too. Like these are very different projects from each other, but you kind of get a similar sense when you're experiencing them. So so I guess there there's a conversation going on um, about uniforms and branding and all that other stuff about architecture. And it, so bear with me here when I go on this little, you know, divergence, I just saw a path. I'm going to wander down it for a second. Um, sure. That both obviously Lloyd Wright, Frank Lloyd Wright Jr. And Faye Jones are both apprentices of Frank Lloyd Wright. And both of them have clearly, if you look at Foreign Crown Chapel and you look at Wayfarer Chapel, that they have very much a sense of a Wrightian sensibility to them. I mean, you can't not look at them and think, first of all, how is Frank Lloyd Wright involved with this? I'm sure, especially on the Lloyd Wright side of things, that confusion happens. I bet many of his projects are attributed to his father because his father's just more famous. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, the the visual language is there. Yeah. But I mean, so, yeah, so I guess we're, oh my gosh, <laughs> I just fell down another rabbit hole. The, yeah. <laughs> Stop, put the Google away. <laughs> well, as we're sitting here talking about this, and I know that some 
people may be thinking about this as we, you know, so we've talked about the Wayfarers Chapel. We've talked about the Yancey Tire Chapel. We've talked about Thorn Crown Chapel. And now this Mildred B. Cooper Memorial Chapel. Do yourself a favor. Look that up real quick. Oh, you're going to have to say that again. Mildred. Mildred B. Cooper Memorial Chapel. Because you will say. Whoa. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez. That is what you will say. I'm looking at weddingspot.com's photo. It it just. Wow. I mean. That's it, steel, right? I, I mean. Yeah. I. I mean, this is Faye Jones, but with Gothic arches. Exactly. Exactly. I could just see it's like it's like uh, pitching a new show on on NBC. No, this one this one's like Faye Jones with Gothic arches. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, truth be told, again, the so I had just recently, well, a couple of years ago, did the kind of like the entry entryway into the Duke School of Nursing's third building. But it was also the Duke School of Nursing and Doctorate of Physical Therapy. So we we just always called it the you know PTSON is what we called the building because it was a lot because, easier because architecture needs more acronyms. because architecture. But because Duke itself is very gothic, but we were trying to do a like you know almost exposed steel modern interpretation of I I I used the Cooper Memorial Chapel as somewhat of a inspiration to that. So Faye Jones is, is, has, you know, has always been one of my favorites and in, in some of the ways that he can express structure in, in a way that feels so light and airy and delicate, but it's also this big, massive structure, much like the Wayfarers Chapel where, you know, it's, it is so light and so airy but it's these this big heavy timber, but it doesn't feel like a big heavy timber. I like Shigeru Bond's work now. Exactly, it's like just exactly. It's so intricate, and the connections between pieces are so well thought and considered. Just and and the whole composition is what is where it's like you can you can analyze these spaces or experience them in so many different scales. I don't know how we got here, man. This was this was just a freaking photo and my photo memory widget on my home screen but this is this is this is what architecture to me is all about like this kind of like you said it let's wander down this path let's see where this goes uh, that that was that is what what this conversation is has been about what was funny was on this i was reading a little bit on uh this architects i guess it's maybe a i don't know who whose website this is called archives a-R-C-H-E-Y-E-S. And I I kind of skimmed this site because he has a write-up, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes on Wayfarer's Chapel. And when it comes to like the geometry part, I'm trying to find it again, but I'll just paraphrase because I, I, I don't know where. It's, it's quite a write-up. But it was saying that the 30-60 degree angles used in the geometry are found in nature in snowflakes and structures like that and i'm like this sounds like <laughs> this sounds like post justification to me those are the triangles that drafters use that's that's what i was thinking <laughs> this is the angle that the, that the triangles come in that's what that's why they were used pretty funny they just sent you a link um that we could which funny enough is my 
one of our renderings that we did out of uh, Revit with a little bit of Photoshop in there. But it kind of, you can kind of see this. Uh, this. Yep, I see it. I see it on the inside. Yeah. I see your Gothic steel arches on the inside of this and it's, and pristine glass box. And they're all exposed steel with like express connections. You know, it's just that you designed that I designed. Yeah. yeah. I can't get over this transparent tree in the foreground. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, isn't my, there's choice. no doubt if this is a real versus a rendering. Oh, you don't have <laughs> transparent trees. <laughs> no, I haven't had those yet. Although it's funny. It's like, so, you know, like we do have all of those, those benches and everything else um, in that photograph, but like those trees and stuff, we're, Back to where you started, yeah, they're babies, and we're obviously really hoping that those start to grow in more because, you know, the whole kind of like shading that this glass, this glass entry piece is very much, you know, southern exposure, and so, and even though we do have like high performance glass and we, we the shunt, the the shading fins have evolved from this one, you know, it's a don't don't even get me started. <laughs> Well, we'll put a link to this project in the show notes too, so people can see it. This is a a problem that you have less on the East Coast than we have on the West Coast, where we don't have any water to make the trees grow. There's just a whole lot of hope on the West Coast (laughs) that those trees get big, because go to the East Coast, everything's green and big and overgrown, and and you come over here, and it's like uh, the trees are okay. We can afford five gallon trees, number one. And they are 40 feet apart, number two, and we're going to put them on drip, number three, and we don't get any rain, number four, and all of these things that are working against us as far as landscape goes. But we also have kind of this artificial landscape here in Southern California, right? You come here and you do see, like the city I live in is known known for the number of trees, and it's totally artificial. Like this is a desert. So we've kind of created this landscape, Disney-esque that is not real. So expectations are upset when when you've got to tear out your lawn and put in Xeriscape, which is, you know, decomposed granite. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. I remember when that first came, you know, like that when it was like the term came out, I literally thought they were saying Xeriscape, like, you know, me too. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. How do you spell that? Wait, what? Like, that's not how you spell zero, because that's not what (laughs) I'm saying. I I thought it was kind of a play on, like, no, you will have no landscaping, like zero scape. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I thought it was. (laughs) Yeah. Dirt and rocks. That's what you get. That's zero scape. Yeah. That'd be a good name for a a landscape architecture firm. Minimalist. Zero scape. Well, I think uh, we might have come to the end of this path. We probably got to turn around. (laughs) Thanks to Enscape for their support of this episode. Visit Enscape3D.com slash Arcaspeak today for a free 14-day trial. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. See all the shows at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and don't forget to share it with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com where you can find our entire catalog of shows. Talk to you soon.